All right, I want to uh, introduce to you Sergio. And uh, Sergio is obviously here to be baptized, but um, like we enjoy doing with every person that does this as we celebrate with them, we want to hear from their own mouth, their own words, why this is so critical, why this is so important. So Sergio, why don't you share with us why you're doing this tonight? Because I'm giving my life to Jesus as Jesus gave to me. All right, awesome, man. Proud of you, excited for you. Yeah. And all of you are believers. We're, we're going to repeat the good confession. You can do this with us. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. To the Son of the living God. All right, Sergio. Because of this, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hey, I know Sergio is just right back there. He just got baptized, but let's just cheer for him one more time. He can hear you. It is amazing every single time somebody makes that decision. Those of you who are online, thank you for joining us as well. I mean, you might be in your pajamas uh, all comfy and stuff, but you can cheer with us when somebody gives their life to Jesus. Uh, I want to say this. Next week, we start a brand new series that I've been... I've had it in my mind for a while, and it finally is coming together. I'm really excited about this. We're calling it Getting Real, and it's all about real stories from real people. And I'm going to be interviewing somebody each weekend, and we're going to be talking about some of the, the hard, the difficult stuff that people have had to deal with for the last year. In fact, if you remember, it was March when COVID really hit. Everything got changed right in the middle of March. And so we're right about that one-year mark, and I thought it would be healthy for us to kind of work through some of that. Uh, talking about loss, talking about racism, talking about uh, mental health, talking about addictions and, and breakthroughs. And so we're going to be dealing with a lot of things in the next few weeks uh, that I'm really excited about. And we've got some great people we're going to be interviewing. And uh, so I encourage you to, to make sure you tune in again or come and join us here uh, in person. Uh, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm very excited about that, but I'm also excited about wrapping up this series we've been calling The New Normal. So what's, what's weird to me is like, you know, I, I got back Sunday afternoon, started working in my office Sunday night, and I've been working all week, and then I get here on a Thursday night, and people are going, hey, we really missed you, and I go, I forgot I was gone. <laughs> it's been, it, feel, it felt like six weeks ago, it was, last, it was just last week I was gone. So anyway, thank you for noticing that I was gone. Jeremy did an amazing job. I mean, we watched it on Sunday morning on the live stream. Jeremy did a great, great job. His backpack was significantly lighter than the one I had a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, I, in fact, when he let go of it, you could almost see it do this on the way down. Did you notice that? And it went, that's, that's the sound it made. Anyway, he says, I wasn't going to carry that backpack you had. So here's what we're going to do this week. I'm going to just take a minute, and we're going to begin where we began, and we're going to walk through all of these steps, beginning with the letters of the word recovery, R-E-C-O. You get the idea? Here's where we've been in case you're brand new or you kind of want to get caught up with us. Here we go. Realizing I'm not God, 
I admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. Week two, step two, was earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Third week was consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to Christ's care and control. And if you remember that week, that's when uh, we literally like took a stand. Like we had people stand up and people stood in all of our services saying, I'm, I'm all in. Then we said, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. And we began to make lists. Remember that. Then we said, voluntarily submit every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Then we said this, evaluate all my relationships. This was a tough one. Offer forgiveness to those who've hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. And then last week, Jeremy did such a great job in this. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, reading, uh, Bible reading and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to do it. And it reminds me of one of our core commitments here is every day with Jesus. That's what that step is really all about. I'm going to get to the why in a little bit, but I need to set this up for a little bit. So just hang in there with me. Um, usually we think that God uses the really talented, the really gifted people. But in reality, when you read the Bible, what God does is he uses very ordinary people who are just willing to submit their life to him, put their life in his hands. And then God does the extraordinary. Now, when God does it that way, this is the cool thing. God always gets the credit because people are looking around like, that John guy is really average. And for some good things to be happening at community, God must be involved. You know, it's like that's, that's the result that we get. That's the result that we want. Like God uses us, even, even in our weakness, God can use that. And then he gets all the glory. He gets all the credit. And that's one of the cool things about this. But it reminds me of this old kind of a joke thing. It's not probably very funny. But it goes something like this, where the guy, his wife's been kind of a little, you know, self-image issues. And he says, honey, 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 I, I don't want one of those other pretty girls. I just want you. Oh, it didn't come out probably like it should have, right? This is, God's not just looking for the pretty, perfect, extraordinarily talented people. He just wants people who say, yes, I'm all in. I'm available. Use me. That, that's the kind of people God uses. Now, God gifts people, and there are extraordinarily talented people that God uses. But here's what I found out. When we use our abilities and our talents, sometimes people go, hey, that was helpful. That was encouraging. Thank you. But when we allow God to work through our weaknesses and our brokenness and our pain, that's when people's lives are rocked. Does that make sense? It's, it's like people say, oh, yeah, he's good at that. That's nice. But when people, when people share out of their brokenness, when people allow God to shine through the, the pain of their life, somehow that resonates with us at a level that nothing else does. And God is able to do that when we're willing to allow him to do that. And so that this last step is all about now helping and partnering with God and allowing the brokenness of our story to actually be a, a healing for somebody else. And so I, I want to walk through some things before we get to our actual step, but I want to help you understand this. And, and this is why it's so important that we do this before we move on from the series. I mean, we're going to ask this question. Why is it that God allows this kind of pain in our life? And this is probably a longer discussion. I'm going to give you four quick things. 
But these things are vital. These things are important to understand. So these things are the things that kind of help us understand why God allows pain in our life. And so we have a handful of reasons. Here's one. He's given me a choice. He's given me a choice. So, go. so here's what I want you to do. Uh, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you've ever done something stupid and had to deal with the consequences. Okay, one, two, three. Yeah. Now, on the count of three, I want you to point at somebody else who's done something stupid this week. One, two, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. All right, we, we, know, we know each other too well. Some of you are pointing before I even finished my sentence. You're like, I know who they are, right? Now, dumb choices equal painful consequences a lot of the times. It really does. And, and here's what maybe uh, the biblical understanding of this whole choice thing is. It's called free will. You know, if you had little kids back in the early 90s, you might get the confused with Free Willy, but that was a movie about a whale or something. So, no, we're just talking about free will. Like, God allows us to make choices. Somebody says, yeah, but, but isn't God sovereign? Isn't God? Yes. So here's the big question. Is God sovereign or do we have free will? Yes. And it's kind of messy. It's kind of weird to figure out. Like, but, but, but didn't God, like, harden that guy's heart? Yes. But, but doesn't it, yes, but don't we have a choice? Yes, it's like the answer to all that's yes, and it's messy, and I can't explain it all. I've met people who think they're super smart, and they try to explain it, but they can't. You can't put God in a box like that. One of the things he does is he says to us, I give you free will. You get to choose. Now, with that comes the potential for amazing blessings and painful consequences. For example, I have the choice to experiment with drugs. But that could lead to a life of addiction and pain. It could lead to health and, and mental problems that I deal with for the rest of my life. I have the choice to dabble in that stuff. That's one of those things I never, I never did. I don't know if this is what it was or not. But when I was a little boy, like elementary age, my, my parents sat me down in the living room. We had one of those big stereo looking boxes. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you now, you don't use So now you can get better sound on a little thing like this. But, but there's a huge boxes, and on the top was this thing that went around. Some of you, I have to explain this to the younger ones. It was called an album or a record. I, I would try to explain it by talking about CDs, but some of you don't know what those are either. So anyway, this thing would just go around, and you put this little needle on it, and it would play. My parents would sit me down, and then they would play these horrific stories from drug addicts who are in the midst of recovery, and their life was completely wrecked. And I'm, I don't know how old I was, Dad, when you started doing this. I might have been one. I don't know. But it's like they, they would do this, and I would just sit there like horrified, like, I will never do that, you know. Now, there's plenty of other stupid things I did. That's not one of them for me, all right? But here's another one. You know, we, we could actually choose to be sexually promiscuous, and then maybe we have a set of consequences that comes from that. We could choose to, and you know, literally fill in the blank. What, whatever the sin, whatever the mistake is, I, I have the choice to do that, but then there, there's consequences. There's pain. So sometimes there is pain. Why, why does God allow it? Because he allows us to make some choices. Uh, if you're a parent... Maybe you've experienced this moment where all you're doing is simply following through on the consequences that you promised your child if they did that, this is what would happen. And then they would say to you, you don't love me. Why are you doing this to me? It's like, we really already talked about this. Next. Yeah, actually, that's the moment where some parents cave and then you're in trouble the rest of your life. 
Follow through the consequences. Just follow through. I heard of a mom one time that is like, when you say, when it comes out of your mouth, you got to follow through. One, one mom says, you do that again, I'm throwing you out the window. And the kid is like, bold enough to just, okay, does it again. And she's like, oh no, now I got to do it. Fortunately, it was a single story home and she threw him out the window. That would have been a problem maybe in an apartment complex. Maybe she had to come up with another way to deal with that. But it's like follow through, right? Listen to this in Deuteronomy 11. This is God talking about the choice. He says, look, today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God. Now, here's the thing. Not only does God give you free will... He gives everybody else free will. And sometimes the pain comes not because you made a bad choice, but because they did, and you're the victim of their choice. And maybe that's where you're at. For those of you who've been hurt deeply by a parent, a family friend, a trusted leader or teacher or coach, Could God have stopped that? I, I guess in some way, but he would have had to stop their free will. And in order to do that, he would have had to stop yours too. And so free will is, is a, it's a blessing, but it's also a burden. And when we make choices or when other people make choices, it definitely has consequences when we make the wrong ones. But by the way, uh, speaking of free will and consequences, you know, God doesn't plan on sending anyone to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. He just allows us the choice to accept this amazing gift of what Jesus has done for us. But if we reject that, then we, we've chosen ourselves where we're going to spend eternity. So he doesn't cause people to go there. He just allows us to make the choice. Another, another reason God allows the pain, though, is to get our attention. Think about this one. Doesn't mean God causes all the pain, but he can use the pain to get our attention. I've given you this quote maybe a dozen times in the last 10 years, but it's C.S. Lewis's famous quote. It says, pain is God's megaphone. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. I was, I was doing a, a funeral right here in this room several years ago, and it was one of those awkward moments where you do open mic at a funeral. You never know what you're going to get, right? And sometimes it's great. People come up and tell stories, and the family is like, I never even knew that. And it's, just, it's awesome. And then sometimes it's just horribly painful, right? That's what this one was. The funeral, by the way, was for a young lady. They had, they had been at our church. She was a um, special needs young lady. She was probably 19, 20. They had, they'd moved from here to Arizona. And within about a year, they were on the side of a road fixing a flat tire, and a drunk driver swerved off the road and hit her and killed her. And so we're doing the service here. This guy comes up, and he says, I just believe God wanted another flower for his garden. He maybe didn't look that stupid, but that's what it sounded like to me. And literally, most of the time, I just let stuff go. When people, in their grief, they just say things that don't make sense sometimes. But as soon as he was done, I just cut it off. Open mic, Done. And I just walked up and I said, first of all, I'm sorry. I, have, I do not believe in what you said at all. You, right there. I don't believe in what you said. I said, I don't believe that. I don't believe God is so cruel that he did that. In fact, we know exactly why she died. It wasn't because God did this. because a guy drank too much, got behind the wheel of a car, and hit her. Now, that sounds brutal to describe in that way. But and we're like, that's why it happened. Because somebody else, their choice 
But in that pain, God can use that pain. doesn't mean God caused it. God can use that pain to get our attention. 2 Corinthians 7, 9. I love this. He says, no, I'm, I'm glad. Not that you were upset, but that you were jarred into turning things around. You let the distress bring you to God, not drive you from him. The result was all gain, no loss. Now, by the way, the pain here was some discipline from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. In, in the first letter, he describes some of the things they were doing. He's trying to correct them. And then there was pain, but there was repentance. There was some things that came out of it that was good. I've talked to people at community who said it like this. If it wasn't for that divorce, if it wasn't for that heart attack, if it wasn't for that cancer. See, it doesn't mean they enjoyed the pain, but they allowed that pain to draw them closer to God. And I said, if it wasn't for that painful experience, I don't know where I'd be. But because of that, I know I'm close to God today. So they were able to see that. You remember the story of Jonah? Jonah's the one guy who's like running away. God, God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he goes, no, I don't want to go. And he goes the other way. And so then God gave him a, a Mediterranean cruise <laughs> in the belly of a fish for three days. And then the fish spits him out and he goes and he does what he's supposed to do. But it's, it's so interesting when you read this. It's just four little chapters. It takes like five minutes to read the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. But I love this verse. Just listen to this. I don't think it's on the screen. Just listen to this. When I had lost all hope. He's, by the way, he's sitting in a fish at the bottom of the ocean. When I had lost all hope, I once again turned my thoughts to the Lord. Yeah, duh. Wouldn't you? Yes. So God, in that case, actually caused his pain. But God can use the pain in our life to get our attention. By the, by the way, pain is not your problem. Your fear is not your problem. The, the depression is not your problem. All those things are just like warning lights going off. Like there is something going on though. And God can use that to get our attention. Another reason God allows some of the pain in our life is to teach me to trust him. Think about this. If you never had a problem, you wouldn't know God could solve it. <laughs> you would never know that God could literally be trusted. 2 Corinthians 1 says this, verse 8, kind of the end of verse 8. He says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, listen to this, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on our God, rely only on God who raises the dead. And get the same idea from Psalm 119, verse 70, 71. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. I, I believe community is filled with people, because I've, I've heard stories over the years. Community is filled with people who've learned to trust God through painful experiences. And I'm, I'm proud of you, because whenever the pain comes, we have this choice. We can, we can run to God or we can run from him. We become better or become bitter. And so many of you have made that choice to be closer to God in the midst of that pain. Another reason, though, is to give me a ministry. And this is where we're going to go for the rest of this time. But he gives us a ministry to help other people. God allows the pain in my life because the pain in my life may very well be the thing that's going to help somebody else find out about Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we are able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Everybody needs recovery 
and help of some kind. You know, it could be uh, mental recovery, physical recovery, spiritual recovery, relational recovery, all the things we've talked about for the last eight weeks. There's all kinds of things there that could, could kind of apply. But w- whatever we've come through, now God can use that in us to help somebody else. And it doesn't have to be the exact same thing, but sometimes it just makes sense. For example, somebody is, is dealing with an addiction, maybe an alcohol or a drug addiction. How much more helpful is it for somebody to come alongside them who has come through that and recovered and found the victory in Christ, and then they can, understanding what they're going through, help them and take their hand and, and walk them through that season, right? I mean, how much more helpful is it sometimes for somebody who's maybe lost a child to have somebody else come alongside them? Because, like, none of us really can understand that unless you've been through that. And then they can put their arm around him, and they can walk with him through the, the pain of that. You know, there's all kinds of things in our life. You know, maybe it's a, the loss of a job, or maybe, maybe, maybe one of those things is just a teenager going off the rails, your kids going off the deep end. And how, how helpful is it for somebody who's been there, done that, experienced that pain, and come out on the other side? Michelle and I have some really good friends who are... Uh, He's a pastor back in the Midwest, and uh, we've spent some time, and I've spoken at their church several times over the years, and they're just great, great, great people. But they had a son that just went off the deep end for a while. I mean, there were literally were numerous girls pregnant. Uh, there was jail time involved. There was violence. There was drugs. There was alcohol. So just literally just went crazy for a few years. And every now and then we would just call him and check on him. We would be praying with him over the phone or when we were there with him. And uh, his, his wife, she would always say this phrase, and it stuck with Michelle and I. So we'd say, How, how's he doing? And she'd say, he's still working on his testimony. How's that for positive, parents, right there? He's still working on his testimony. What, that, what does that mean? It means he's still making horrible choices, but there's going to be a day when he gets to tell his story, and it's going to help somebody else find Jesus. He's still working on his testimony. Cool thing is, he knows Christ now, and he's doing great now. It's like we've seen the whole cycle. So when you're going through it, and you have somebody who comes alongside and says, hey, I've been there. Let me help you with this. You can lean on me. I, I know sometimes it hurts so bad. You don't even want to get out of bed in the morning, but just call me. Let's talk through that, right? This last week, I did a funeral for a, a lady right here who passed away in her 40s of, of a liver disease, very similar to what my sister-in-law passed away of just two years ago. So in talking to the mom, I mean, she was, she was a mom herself and has kids and uh, all of that. But, but in talking to the mom, I was able to just understand what it was like the last six months, what it meant and what it looked like to take care of her. I even mentioned some of the medications that I knew that my sister-in-law really didn't care for. <laughs> and I said, hey, she's all done with this medication. And her mom just like lit up like somebody understands. You know, we don't know sometimes the way God could use the pain that we're going through now, but maybe years down the road, God can use that because what he's doing, he's allowing it in our life so that we can use it for ministry. I really like um, some of the little one-liners that Rick Warren has given over the years, and one of them is, God never wastes a pain. I'm going to give you another one of his in a little bit. But he says, God never wastes a pain. And you know what? We don't have to either. Did you know that? We don't have to waste it, but we do if, 
if we don't learn from it, and number two, if we don't share it. If we don't learn from it or we don't share it. So that brings us to our final step and the letter Y in the word recovery. So here we go. Yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others by both my example and by my words. Now, if you have a Bible with you, I want you to find 1 Peter 3. I'm going to It'll take me a minute to get there. Just one verse we're going to look at, but I want you to see it in your own Bible. If you've got a paper Bible, I want you to underline this verse, draw arrows to it. I want you to understand what's going on. I'm going to give you the context around this verse. But this is the verse that's going to help us understand, you know, how this whole thing works. Now, I just read this statement, but let me just say it one more time. Yield myself to God. Stop. <laughs> you know, I, I know we need to talk about our example and our words, but this is where it starts. This is really, in essence, what Sergio did tonight in front of all of us in his baptism. Yield myself to God. That's where this starts. And it's, it's where we can utter those simple prayers like, use me. You know, I, I know people who've gone through horrendous things, and maybe to stand up in front of everybody and talk about those things, it's like, no, that, that'll never happen. That's impossible. But they've told me, hey, if you know somebody going through that, I will go and I will spend time with them. And as painful as it is, they know it's an opportunity for them now to maybe bring healing to somebody else. So, so I want you to see this in 1 Peter 3, but let me give you the context first. We're going to read verse 15. But right before this, he, he talks about husbands and wives first. That You might want to read that. That's pretty cool. And then he gets to verse 8. And from 8 on, he's talking about suffering and pain and persecution. So literally, he's talking to these Christians, and he's saying, you're going through it. He says at different times in First and Second Peter, he's like, you're, you're suffering. It's like a fiery trial. Your, your faith is being tested. I mean, they, these were, just think of the context. These people are being thrown to lions. These people are being lit on fire at parties. These people are being killed just because they profess faith in, in Jesus. And so he said, you're going through this suffering. And then he comes to verse 15. Now, before I read verse 15, I want you to understand this. In your suffering, in your pain, it may have nothing to do with persecution. It could be an illness. It could be an accident. It could be the loss of a job. It could be a divorce. Whatever it is, whatever your pain is, while you're going through that, let me just guarantee you something. People are watching you. They're watching you go through this. And if we go through it well, just not, not perfect, we're not going to get there, but if we go through it well, leaning on God throughout the experience, running to him, not from him, if we, if we go through that well, people are going to ask us questions. That's where we get to verse 15. Okay, that's the context. When you go through these hard things, people are going to be watching you. Verse 15, but in your hearts, this is kind of like yield myself to God, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. And then listen, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an answer. Why? Because some people are going to ask you, how can you have a smile on your face right now? How have you handled this so well? I mean, I, I know you've got to be broken, and yet you're still reaching out and helping other people. Like, how is this possible? And some of you know exactly the question I'm talking about because as you were going through the painful thing, but you were going through it as well as you possibly could with God's help, people are asking you the same thing, like, how are you doing this? And part of your answer might just be, I have no idea. God, 
Jesus has got a hold of me. He's carrying me through this. I, I don't know how I'm doing this on my own. Without him, I know I'd be lost, but, but he's the one helping me. And so it gives us an opportunity to explain our hope. I, I told you I like some of the things Rick Warren says. I, I like them because they're short, like me. And my attention span is short as well. That's why I do 60-second things on, on social media. Uh, but, but he gave this one little thing that we've used as we've taught about the way God has, has wired us, molded us. We, we use the word shape. And, and Rick Warren started this. I really liked it. So the word S-H-A-P-E, shape. And this is how God shapes us with spiritual gifts. That's the S. The H is for heart or a passion. The, the P is for personality. I skipped one. A is for ability. I, I can't spell. I'm short and I can't spell. It's a problem. S-H-A, ability. P, personality. E, experiences. It's one of the things God uses to shape us to do ministry. Yeah, and we have abilities. That's one of those things. And we have these passions. Or I, I care about this ministry or I care about this group of people or whatever it is. We have those things. But also we have these experiences that God allows us to go through. And he carries us through so that we can make a difference for somebody else. And you ask people sometimes, like, how, how did you learn to do that? Well, I had to go through this first. I had to go through this. And some of you are going through it right now. So, again, I'm just going to ask you, if, if you're in the pain right now, run to him, not from him. Let him be your, your hope and your help. And what I, want, what I really want you to do is I want you to spend some time. We, we did some earlier in this series writing some lists, things that we've done, things that maybe we, way we've hurt people, maybe ways people have hurt us. You know, we've got a few lists we've been working on, but, but I want you to make a list of some of those experiences in your life that really stand out. What were the lesson maker kinds of experiences in your life? Just maybe there's three or four that just really jump out. And then just start writing them out. Like literally, like write out that story. What, what was it like? What did God do in the midst of that? What did I learn from that? And there's something that's powerful that happens to us when we literally write out stuff. So people are like, oh, I don't have to. Do I have to write it? Yes. Just write it, all right? So our thoughts get untangled as we begin to write. And I actually write faster typing. But however you write, just like write it. Write us. Here's the story. And here's why I want you to write it out because... If you're going to be the kind of a person who says, okay, God, I know this was painful, but if you, can if you can use this in somebody else's life, I want to be ready to give an answer for the hope that I have. And so you got to prepare. That's, that's what the preparation part is. You're going to write it out. doesn't mean you have to read it to somebody else, but by writing it, you're going to learn how to share this and how to, how to tell the story once it comes up. But when you get the opportunity, there's three th huge things that come out of this little verse. That's why we're just camping out in verse 15. Here's the first thing I want you to think about. Be humble. When you share your story, be humble. Are you familiar with the, uh, the breakup line? It's not you, it's me. Are you familiar with that line? How many of you have used that? Honestly, come on. It's not you, it's me. How many of you just said it like it really is? It's really you. You're, you're not good, and I don't need you in my life. Okay, so maybe that was your, but, it's not, but, but what we're talking about, when we say humble, it's, it's more like this. It's not me, it's him. When you tell your story, it's not about you and how you pulled it off. It's like, this is all about God. And the whole point of our sharing our story, sharing our pain again, is to point people to him. It's not me, it's him. 
And when, when you discover this kind of new normal, you, you are recognizing that it's, it's not about you. It's not about something. I'm not good enough. I haven't, like, achieved this on my own. It's, it's all about God's grace, and that brings back this idea of humility. And when God gives me the opportunity to, to share this story with somebody else, uh, it's really easy for us just to say, you know what? I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I'm not better than anybody else. And we genuinely mean that. It's like, I'm not better than anybody else. I'm really not. But God is absolutely amazing. He can make a difference in our life. So be humble. The next thing is be real. So he says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. That's, that's the humble part. It's, it's going to be about him. But be real. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Uh, and what I mean by, by real is just be honest. Don't make your story more glamorous than it really was. You know. And, and by the way, halfway through my story, I leaped tall buildings in a single bound. I, I, just, I just did that. No, it didn't happen. Like, don't, don't make it something that it really was. Just be real. Like, this, this hurt. And it was painful. You know, I felt rejected. Whatever it was, like, maybe I even felt like God had turned his back on me, you know. Read Psalm 22. It's a, it's, a, it's a picture of Jesus on the cross a few hundred years later, but it's like, why have you forsaken me? You know, if that's, if that's part of your story, don't be afraid to share that. It hurts. But another amazing thing happens when we share a story, like I said in the beginning. When we share our strengths, people sometimes go, that's nice for you. When we share our failures or our pain, people like are drawn in, like they can connect to that. They, they just know that that's them too. We can relate. So we just need to be real. But the last thing he talks about here is, is really to be respectful. He says, do this with gentleness and respect. You know, we're not, we're not pushing our way into anything. We're not forcing our way into somebody's life. You know, they, they need to hear what I have to say. Again, we're, we're humble, we're real, but we're, we're respectful in the midst of this. And just keep in mind, it's not just you and this other person you're talking to. If, if we're not careful about this, we can mess it up for somebody else down the line. And here's what I mean by that. Maybe, maybe you've seen this. One obnoxious Christian messes it up for a bunch of us. I had somebody I'd been working on for over a year. Finally had a breakthrough where we got to talk about God. We got to talk about Jesus. I got to talk about what was going on and, and why they weren't literally like ever involved in a church. And we find like a year of like being a friend and having conversations. But every time I brought it up, it was like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Finally, we got to talk about that one day. And two weeks later, somebody else that I had worked, this is a long time ago, somebody else that I had worked with, they actually came to me and they said, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not ever going to talk to you about Jesus again. This is after finally having a breakthrough. And I'm like, what changed? And they pointed at somebody else that we worked with who was also a part of the church that I went to. And they just said, because of what's going on in their life right now, they claim to be a Christian. They say amen and praise the Lord all day long at work. But I know what's going on, and I don't want you to ever talk to me again. So, so one obnoxious Christian can mess that up for us, right? Well, let's, 
be respectful. Let's care about what's being said. And if we can just go back to one last thing, it would be this. Practical love, how do we say that in a community? If heaven and hell are real, the most loving thing we could ever do to anybody is introduce them to Jesus. That's what we're going to do. Share Jesus with people. So as we wrap up this series, here's what I want us to do. I want us just to bow our heads for a moment. Even at home, you could do this. Just, just close your eyes for a moment. I've got all eight weeks in mind. But maybe the, maybe the worst thing that could happen is go through all eight weeks and listen to the stories and listen to what Jesus does and what he's capable of doing and then just not surrender our life to him. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you need to take that, that stand right now and just say, yeah, I want Jesus to be Lord. I want him to be in charge of my life. So before we go on to the next series, before we go on to the next thing, I want to make sure that if that's, if that's where you're at, I mean, you can always, those of you online, just email us, office at community.cc. Let us know. Let us know that that's something you want to do. We're going to help you with that. None of this uh, we have to do alone. So we want to help you begin that relationship with Jesus. It could be that you're stuck on one of the things we talked about in the past. Maybe maybe the week on forgiveness and you're still holding on to some stuff and I should encourage you, maybe tonight is the night you just let it go finally. You've, you know you're supposed to, you listened to that message, you, you heard what the Word of God said, but tonight you're going to let it go. And then one last thing I want you to think about. I want you to I want you to pray with me out loud. I'm going to guide you through this. I'm going to ask you to pray two words in just a minute, and they're going to simply be this. I'm going to tell you ahead of time. Use me. That's what the words are. And that's how we're going to close this. And so we're going to say, God, whatever you've brought us through, now use me to help the next person. Okay, let's pray. God, first of all, if there is someone here who is ready to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. Let them see you as you are, arms wide open, ready to receive them into your family. I pray for them, Father, that they would know that there's a family that they can connect with and grow with and learn with. And Father, if anywhere along the journey, the last eight weeks, we've gotten stuck, we got hung up, there's something we're just unwilling to give up or surrender, unwilling to do, that you would just uh, have your way in us starting now give that up to. But God, all of us right now, hopefully, are going to be able to say, God, I want you to use me. Use me in, in even my pain, in my story, in my past. Use me now to help somebody else. So in just a moment, we're all going to pray out loud those words. Use me. So let me just lead it into it. When we get there, you'll know. So God, here we are your family scattered in this room and maybe around this valley or maybe other places in this country wherever we are right now. God, our prayer is simply these two words. Here we go. Use me. Use us, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you would, stand up. We're going to conclude this series. We're going to conclude this, this lesson, this message by being reminded of the powerful words of this song from Glorious Day. Let's do this together.
sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. Out of your shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. Make some noise for our king in this place. As always, if you guys need prayer, our prayer team will be right here up front. Otherwise, I'll see you guys right here next week. Be blessed.